0: Listening to the marginally geeky
1: show, the epically geeky
2: book club. Greetings and welcome to episode three of the marginally geeky show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Uh, tonight's book uh, we'll be discussing is Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Uh, joining me tonight is uh, Jennifer Hensel and uh, Ray Andrew. Uh, how are y'all doing?
1: Pretty good. I'm doing good.
2: So uh, how have y'all been? It's been a month since we've reconvened. Uh, unfortunately, we're missing quite a bit of the crew. We've got uh, uh, lots of things came up. It was over the holidays. So we had lots of things come up, and several people had things come up here and there. Uh, so it, it's just us three tonight, but uh, it should be a pretty good conversation. So,
1: Yeah, it's been pretty busy just trying to keep up with the holidays. So, <laughs> Yeah, same yeah.
0: here. Holiday always,
2: you know, kicks my butt. Tends to be that way, so um recording this a little bit late. Normally we record at the end of the month. We're actually about a week late. So uh, uh we'll we'll see how that goes. We who knows we have to met, push back future books as well. We'll just kinda see uh how, how things go. So but we'll keep you we'll keep you updated on the website as we go along. So uh I guess let's go ahead and get started with our conversation of Ready Player One. Um this is uh, Ernest Klein's first published book, um, go ahead and go around real quick and just give a quick, um, you know, whether or not, you know, heads up, you know, uh, thumbs up or down, whether or not you enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed this book greatly. The fact that this was his first published book to me, like, uh, um, I'm sure there are authors out there that like, <coughs> pardon me, you know, uh, their first book was like their, their biggest thing this is going to be the case for Ernest Klein. I, I mean, I, I want to continue. I've read it. The, the second book that you wrote. Um, and I would like to see more work from this author, but, man, um, it's going to be hard to live up to this one. Cause I really did enjoy this book.
1: Yeah. So I'm with you. I really enjoyed the book. Uh, overall. Um, I have a couple of little things that I don't particularly enjoy, but that's just me. And, I understand why he had to do certain things and we'll get into that as we talk about it. But, uh, overall liked it. Uh, I was again, like you, I was surprised that this was his first, uh, published, uh, book, but, uh, it was really well polished for, for the most part and easy read. It was, it's really easy read, which I like. I
2: agree. Uh, Jennifer, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I, I like the book a lot. Um, it was, it was a little slow going at the beginning for me, but uh, by the end, you know, I, I couldn't put it down. And I, I think I breezed through the last four or five chapters in, like, you know, less than a, a few hours. Um, there was a little bit of of the, the language or the way that the characters talked to each other that was a little annoying to me. But I think some of that was just because of their age and he was trying to emulate, you know, realistically how it would communicate. So, right. yeah, other than that, I, I really like the story.
2: Um, like I said, you know, and I've explained this before whenever i quote unquote read um I listen to the audiobook version the audiobook version of this is uh read by uh will Wheaton um which was because you know there there's that part in the book where he is talking about you know that old geezer uh and referring to himself, which I thought was kind of funny, but <laughs> definitely this was he was the perfect person to read this book uh you know being of of his age and ilk and and uh yeah. uh you know his interest and everything so um so let's go ahead and get started with the book. Um, the book opens up um, uh, basically. It's um, uh, it, it talks about there's a video game, but it's become essentially the internet, the the everything, as it were. It's a um, virtual reality. It's uh, it's called the Oasis, and pretty much everyone does everything in the Oasis. They play games, they go to school, they go to work. Pretty much everyone does everything in the oasis, and that is because, uh, in the future, uh, it's once again a dystopian hell. Um, there's a, a fuel crisis, there's a, uh, uh, a food shortage, uh, pretty much, like I said, everything's, everything's just kind of crapped out. So everyone kind of ex- escapes to the oasis. And in the oasis, you can be anything you want, um, just do anything, um, and uh, the book starts off with uh, uh, the, the one of the co-founders, co-inventors of the game, uh, James Halliday, or as he's known in the game, Anorak, uh, passes away, and he leaves this message, basically saying, and it's very heavily laced with a bunch of '80s references, uh, which it, it, you know that should give you a good idea of what the book's going to be like. Uh, but he leaves this video, and he starts describing this quest that there are three gates and three keys that are hidden somewhere within the Oasis, and since he has no heirs, the first person to discover and unlock all three gates uh, will end up winning his uh, vast fortune and pretty much control over the Oasis. Uh, and then it talks about the fact that uh, one becomes uh, what's referred to as a... a uh, Um, an egg hunter or is okay to Gunter Um, and years go by and no one finds anything and eventually it kind of becomes an urban legend of well you know this is probably just you know this old kook who was kind of going crazy anyway this was his you know he he just did this as the, the last hilarious joke there's probably nothing really happening here it's all really fake even though there are people still after it um and uh uh we, uh, we, we, it's told first person by, uh, the main character, Wade Watts, who in the, uh, Oasis goes by the name of Parzival, um, uh, five years after the, uh, the game begins, um, he finds the first key. And it's him telling basically what led up to it, and then of course what happened afterwards. So, um, at this point, um, so, Go
1: on. Well, I was just going to say, you've just covered the first 100 pages of the book, and I can't believe it took 100 pages to get there. <laughs> <laughs> that, and that's, I think you were referring to that, Jennifer, where it's a bit of a slow start. Yeah. That's one of my complaints is that it does take a while to get going, but uh, I understand why he does it, it's so that you can kind of understand Wade and his, his uh, relationship with H, which is his best friend on online. And then, uh, and kind of, you understand the world a little bit as well. So, I get why he did it. It just it took 100 pages to get to where you're at.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's necessary because uh, there's a lot of things that kind of refer back to the stuff he talks about, um, especially with Halliday. But it is kind of hard to, <laughs> to read through some of it sometimes.
2: Yeah, he goes through. He, uh, I mean, we find out he lives in what's referred to as the stacks. It's these um, formed around these cities, uh, the crumbling cities. <coughs> Pardon me, my allergies are killing me. Um, and are, are these like literally these mobile homes that are stacked one on top of each other, like up to fifteen high? And he has to climb down from these stacks to to get to um, uh, his little hideout that he's he's created that's away from his aunt's house. His parents are both of his parents are deceased, and um. Uh, uh was able to go to the go to school in the oasis so he's been going there. Um we, it talks about, you know, he he goes through how bad things are there and, and so on and so forth. Uh and then it starts talking about how Halliday loved the eighties and that's what everything's become so uh, uh involved with like uh one of the, the side effects of uh because it's so much money and so much control, everyone is after it so uh, slightly in the future, like everyone becomes super obsessed with the 80s to the point that the cult i mean, literally—it's like the 80s culture just comes back in roaring fashion. Uh, which as a child of the 80s, you know, is is why it really resonated with me so much. Um
1: yeah, I definitely love that part of it too, where it was just—it was uh, all the, like the Captain Crunch cereal that he's talking about at one point and all the yes. commercials and it's like yeah it, they're nostalgic now and it's pretty wicked to hear and see that
2: which is funny because we see i mean we see resurgences of uh of different uh, time periods you know uh coming back like it it's it's funny when i i was teaching just a few years ago uh kids uh, walking around singing or listening to from the 90s, and I was like, you weren't even born then, or you were just like barely conceived then, like how do you know this music, and then I think about it, I'm like oh, your parents are about my age, and I'm sure, just like I'm doing now, you're your, your parents were showing you the stuff that you were into. So, I mean, good example. My boys are into Ghostbusters. They're into Transformers. Uh, I got an NES Classic. So, literally, the video games we're playing are the games I played in the 80s. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, the
0: yeah. depressing thing uh, is they think that stuff is the oldies, and it really puts it in perspective for, for us.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But – uh
2: so it, it talks about that um uh, it, it talks about the um, uh, 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 um oh he he does go he does mention his uh his uh his crush art uh, a young lady named Artemis, who's also another gunter she's kind of got a uh, a following online um like i said she's, he's got a he's got a pretty big crush on her but you know there's no way in hell he'll ever meet her so and so forth so um first clue was he noticed that it's it, it was notched letters in the uh, in the almanac? This almanac that was left behind by James Halliday that basically chronicled all of his thoughts. Uh, it chronicles like every movie he ever watched, uh, every song he listened to, every game he played. Debate um, uh, as to you know what is considered quote unquote canon. Um, you know the movies that he you know of the '80s that he really enjoyed, so on and so forth. Um, uh, there's, there are notched letters in the almanac uh, on both the printed version that he has and in the, uh, on the, the online copy. Um, and from that, he's able to figure out that the first, uh, uh, key, uh, the first gate, or I'm sorry, the first, uh, key is located on his school, on his school planet called Ludus, which is, um. It's like the only place he can go. He can go very so – he can not really go to any other planets within uh, the Oasis because he's poor. He has no money. Uh, he kind of has to bum rides off of other people and stuff. and He doesn't really care for doing that, so he's very low level, uh, so on and so forth. And um, at the first Game, or the first key, uh, key is actually located on the uh, planet of Ludus, where he's at. It uh, wouldn't cost him anything really to get there. He just has to find a way to get around uh, the planet itself. And it's from a Dungeons & Dragons module called the Tomb of Horrors. Uh, he manages to get there. He goes to the tomb. He's using the manual that's... Uh, basically, it's the... One of the things I really like about this about this book is this this idea of turning these games or movies and stuff we'll get into that more in a minute um, into three-dimensional like experiences uh, yeah, so great. even though the indie module it's you know it was a a, a text game um which, so everything, every trap that's there You know, listed in the dungeon uh, The dungeon dragons module is there And it's in the same location, so and so forth So he's able to uh, run around and not Follow into any traps or whatever, and he gets to The 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 lich king um, And, you know, he's like, okay, well he's Pretty much gonna, you know, wipe me out if I have to fight him Or whatever, and their first In order to battle The lich, he tells him they're going to Joust, and literally a Stand up J- arcade Joust version Joust. of Joust appears. <laughs> and it's at this point I'm just like, Oh my God, this is getting really awesome.
1: <laughs> well and and I love the visual because even <laughs> even the character himself said this must look really weird. I am standing in my night gear and I've got, you know, a flame sword on my back and all this stuff. I'm standing next to this king next to me and he's all in his gear and we're playing on an arcade machine. What the hell's going on? This is awesome. So, yeah, I just, I think it's awesome.
2: Uh, the arcade system shows up. I'm like, okay, so he's playing a game within a game. That's kind of cool. Um, and then he figures out that um, in order to beat the Ledge King, he's playing second player. He's like, hey, can I can I switch to first player? Because I usually play first player. I think that's what it was. The, the yeah, Ledge King agrees, so they swap them. Yeah, go
1: ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, um. If I were, you know, uh we'll talk about this at the end. But if if I were trying to run through this, uh if I had to do this, I I would have never beaten him. I suck at joust.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, I suck at
1: joust. It's a hard game, man.
2: Yeah. Oh, um, oh, it's it's rough. It's a rough game. Um. So he he plays the Lich King and he manages to beat him on his first try. And then he's awarded the copper key. So he's looking over the copper key and he's on his way out and a uh another person shows up and uh he, you know, kind of, you know
1: He's on guard
2: guard, he's trying to figure out what's going on, and it turns out to be Artemis, which of course he's completely dumbstruck. Uh so they have a conversation. A little rough at first, and then they kind of, you know, start to kind of go back and forth a little bit, and he's trying his best not to see that he has uh, he's managed to beat the Lich King, uh, yeah. but she figures it out pretty quick. She's she's a sharp girl in the book, which you know yes. I like. I like the fact she's sharp. She picks up on stuff, um, yeah. and she basically uh, tells him, you know, look, it's supposed to reset at midnight. Um, and when she figures out that he's he's gotten the key, she basically locks him in there with her with her until she's able to until midnight when it resets or whatever to help she's slow him down.
1: Really smart on her part again. Like, it shows her yeah. intelligence. <laughs>
2: uh so he, he you know once the clock resets he uh uh and, and he does give he he gives her the hint to to play on the other side, doesn't he i believe so yeah
1: yeah he yeah. he finally relents and and okay, yeah, I did, but I switched sides and or no he he didn't tell her how, and then it was at the very end that's he he says to her as she's like about to walk away, let's try going on the other side
2: yeah uh so he he uh he ends up uh, uh finding a uh, according I don't remember exactly what the 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 hint on the key was but uh he ends up having to find a uh, TRS 80 one of the original home computers or what was lovingly referred to as a Trash 80 um i know several older guys that had trash 80s loved those systems um had no memory in it, like basically you backed everything up to a cassette tape, uh which he talks about because he was able to save his game as he's going through this next part and this, that, and the other. Um so he ends up finding a trash 80. Um and he's able to open up the first gate. And that's when the game and that's when the book takes yet another turn. So um in like I said, and I mentioned before that uh Holiday has listed like every book every uh, movie, every TV show, every video game, every song, everything he's ever listened to, loved in the 80s. And it pretty much hits everything because he goes through the first gate and he becomes a playable character in the movie War Games, Uh, which which is awesome.
1: I love that idea.
2: Uh, And we'll talk about that in just a bit. So um, he manages to basically... He plays his way all the way through war games. He's, like, exhausted at this point. But he ends up playing. He ends up beating it. Um, And then uh, uh, he comes to find out that his name is now on, uh, quote, unquote, the scoreboard, the website that uh, uh, had uh, set up that basically uh, was his homepage or whatever, now lists the the player rankings as they go through this game. And he's number one. uh, And he sees that Artemis is number two. And at this point, um, he, uh, um, oh, that's right. He starts, uh, uh, you know, he, he talks to his, uh, he, he starts to kind of, you know, uh, or whatever. Well, I say his friends, his one friend, H. Uh, H is a, a professional uh, game player online and uh, hangs out with him. They're both gunters or whatever, but they both said they're going to be solo. They'll never team up or whatever. Uh But he does, once H starts thinking about it, he contacts him and he's like, hey, I found it too or whatever. So H goes through shortly afterwards, the playthrough, get the key in the first gate and everything else. At this point, he starts getting a ton of uh, uh, endorsement deals, which he starts signing because like I said, in both the game and in real life, he has no money. Uh, But the first first quest uh, basically like bumps him up to like level 10 and he actually has a decent amount of money more money than he's ever seen in his life. Yeah. Uh, but he starts going through these endorsement deals and he starts getting messages from this company called IOI. is IOI is, uh, I don't remember what it stands for, but um, it's a, a large conglomerate company. Basically they own most of the internet service providers. Uh, they've been a, a direct competitor against uh, the company that owns, uh, uh, that runs the, uh, the Oasis and uh according to the rules, have kind of been bending the rules and have hired some people that uh just they're later known as the uh, Sixers or Suxors, uh because of the their name tags. And uh they're trying to win the game so that they can get control of control of the oasis and start charging people and as he put as he referred to it, basically make it this uh uh you know, pay to play uh Game for just the extremely rich in the world. So,
1: yeah.
2: which once again, most everyone does everything in the Oasis. So it's like uh, it's like it'd be like if someone told you they started charging you money to look up at the sky. It would be that big a deal.
0: Yeah, um, Facebook.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, no joke. Charging like you it. to go to work. Like a lot of people work in the Oasis, right? Mm-hmm. So you're actually getting charged to go to work. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Cause I think it said to sign up for an account was like a time fee of a quarter or 50 cents or something like that. In the very uh, beginning, and
1: that was, it, it was a quarter. Yeah, a quarter it was an so. arcade game.
2: That's right. That's right. It was just a quarter. So, um, messages. And he gets one specifically from, uh, the head of this, not the company, but of the division that's supposed to be over this called Nolan Sorrento. Um, he holds out for a while and then he finally does kind of, you know, and, you know, it was like, all right, well, fine. I guess I'll just, I'll just meet with these assholes and see what they have to say. Um,
1: they're, yeah. They're email bombing them. So he's getting an email from the minute on the minute and exactly. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Then this whole thing where they, they take him to this private chat that looks exactly like their, their actual headquarters and everything else. And, you know, they're trying to impress him and they basically make him, uh, They make him an offer of like a multi-million dollar deal, a signing bonus, and they want him to come work there and to help him find the eggs and so on and so forth. And he tells them, nope, not going to do that. And they're like, okay, we'll tell you what. We'll make you another deal. We'll just give you uh, a lump sum of cash. And uh, you tell us how to get past the first gate, and then we're done. And he basically tells them, you know, blow it out your ass and – you know the most stylish fashion he could think of and right as he's about to walk out they call him by his actual name which no one is supposed to know your real name they're like yes we know exactly who you are we know you're where you're at and they bring up video feeds that literally show the uh, uh trailer that he's they think he's currently in he's still in his his hiding place but they're in the trailer that he's in and basically tell him uh, you're going to help us get to the first gate or we're going to kill you and he's like, well, I thought about it. There's no reason for you to keep me alive. And he basically logs off. Um, He sits in his, his base for a few minutes. He's like, yep, it was a bluff. And then a bomb goes off. A literal
1: bomb goes off.
2: Um, And his aunt uncle, or well, his aunt, not only really his uncle, but his aunt and all the people who live in the trailer and all the people who live in the surrounding trailers are basically dead. Yep. Uh, which, of course, scares the hell out of him.
1: And you got to think, like, if that were... If that were me, I'd be shitting my pants. Like, <laughs> oh yeah,
0: yeah. I, I'm kind of surprised that he thought they were bluffing because you know everything well, seemed to indicate that they were pretty dangerous. And he, I would have even met with them, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he he is right though. Like he was right in the fact that you know what they they have no reason to keep me alive. If I help them out, they're gonna blow this trailer one way or another. So at least I can call them on their bluff if it is a bluff, but I am safe. And the, the only unfortunate part was that he knew he was risking his aunt's lives, you know, yeah. his aunt's and those other people's lives. And um, But he made a call thinking it was a bluff. And it, I remember, like, he even felt like it was okay for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden the bomb does go off. Yeah. And so, it's a it's – oh, go on.
0: I was going to say, before he got to <coughs> the point, he actually, you know, bluffed them and said, Oh, I'll do it if you make me.
1: I love that. You
0: know, oh, you yeah. Think I forgot they were that. actually when they accepted it because they said yes, and then he said, No, I'm just kidding. It,
1: he was going to take Sorrento's job, which. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want your job. I want you out of here. And
2: yeah, I want, yeah, I want everyone so. to call me like numero uno or something like that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, that was very <laughs> hilarious. Um it's at this point of the book for me, this is where the book like completely changes. Like up to this point, it's okay. It's, it's you know, him, it's by himself, and, you know, there are these other people who, you know, have, have managed to get in there. But then now, you know, this company is like kind of, you know, edging their way in. And so it's okay. It's going to be – let's see if he can – let's see if he opens the gate and, and gets everything before – You know, he wins the game before everyone else. It's at this point, it's like, oh shit, it's not just does he do this, is is he going to survive this as well? Like, you know, this becomes not just a game, this is life or death. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And you can feel that sweat. Because now, you know, he he starts trying to go off to the, uh, the city and get the apartment, and like that all happens very quickly.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, at this point, he basically contacts the other five people who have also unlocked the gate. Um, it's him, his best friend H, Artemis, uh who did manage to beat it, and then uh, uh, uh two Japanese brothers named Daido and Shoto. Um, the high five. Do what? The high five. Yes, the high five, Uh which is an awesome thing. Oh. Um, so they all meet in a private chat session uh, that H has. Uh, they kind of discuss it. They're basically, you know, he's warning them. He said, look, you know, these guys are serious. You need to watch out for yourselves. Uh, but they all decide, you know, look, we're not work- we're not going to work together. They're like, okay. So um, the uh, IOI uh, and the Gunters do end up finding the first gate. They basically take over the planet like there's this, whole mass hysteria thing where like they literally have to copy and paste the planet the the school planet to another location <laughs> minus the 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 secret code for the game uh <laughs> and move everyone over there so
1: yeah the, the planet of schools is completely duplicated that's hilarious
2: and that's awesome so um which is an interesting idea that's one of the things i like about this about the idea in this book that uh the 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 universe as it were is you know multiple and like uh some of them that magic works some of them that technology works some of them neither works some of them both work some of them are a player versus player, so you can actually be hurt and killed area
1: some of them are not
2: <clears throat> some of them are you know completely safe, yeah, yeah. um So it's at this point, you know, he's kind of doing his own thing. Uh, Some time passes. No one's found anything yet. Um, And – Can't uh,
1: figure where the next gate is and – yeah. Yeah, no
2: one else can kind of figure it out. And it's at this point he also, like – he and Artemis start a – they start communicating with each other, and it becomes more and more friendly. Um, She keeps telling him there's nothing going on. And yet, you know, it's definitely something is going on. They're definitely getting romantically involved. Um,
1: he is head over heels.
2: <laughs> he's putting the game, you know, kind of behind him. He's not really uh,
1: –
2: uh... it's at this point – this is also when he moved, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. So he he moved and then he started kind of dating her without dating her, I guess you can say. Yeah. He moves into this hand
2: little hand apartment. Hand. Yeah, he moves into this little apartment and basically, like, he even says he, like, uh, paints the windows because he's like, you know, everything outside is a distraction. I'm just focusing on the game. And then, of course, like, we've been talking about, it, gets really involved with her. Um, uh, an invite from, uh, uh, Og. Og is the, uh, the other co founder, the other co inventor of the game. He's still alive. Um, he, uh, has a big birthday party, um and, uh, it, it basically, you know, invites, you know, only the, the greatest people there or whatever it is, invited all five of the high five. Uh, the only two who show up are Artemis and, uh, uh, pardon me, um, Percival. Percival. Sorry, I blanked out on his name. And, uh, it's at this point he tells her that I'm in love with you. In the traditional online fashion, She's like, you know, look, this isn't real. I think we need to back off. Um, and it's at this point, the Sixers basically break in, start killing a bunch of people. There's this huge fight that goes on. Og wow. basically goes. comes out and just shows them that, like, he has, he's basically God mode in this in this simulation, <laughs> which is
1: awesome. I, I can't wait to see that in the movie.
2: That's good. Yes. Um, we'll get to that. And, let's just talk real quick about the idea of this dance floor that basically the entire it's, it's basically a big sphere and you like you walk on the outside of the sphere, but to get to the dance floor area, as it were, you basically push off and you're in the center and you're floating, which is, you know, something that's not possible here. Yeah. Zero gravity, which is an awesome idea. I mean, once again, world, you can do pretty much anything. So, you know, that's a very cool idea for a, uh, a virtual uh, uh, uh dance studio so
1: yeah
2: um so basically at this yeah, like point it. he goes into depression mode you know he's broken up he's you know kind of like he's not really talking to his best friend h anymore cuz you know he he was he uh, uh abandoned wasn't really, you know he was spending more and more time more, and more time with with, with her with hardness instead of h um he does ma- he does go on a a, a quest with Dino and shoto and uh, uh, finds the Ultraman beta capsule, and yeah. by giving it to him at the end, he's like basically, uh, or at least le- he he at least leaves it, on on good uh, terms.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. So, um, so you know, being that it is technically a game, there are these quote unquote artifacts that are uh, remnants of what it was just simply a game and not just this, you know, all-arching simulation uh, that are super powerful. They may give you uh, the ability to run super fast or flight or super strength or whatever. Um, And he talks about the one, it's literally the the capsule from the TV series that you turned into Ultraman for like three minutes, so it's pretty cool.
1: And I like that there's a time limit on that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And see, I never watched Ultraman, so I don't know if there was a time limit in the show either. So who knows? Yeah, that, may, that may actually be there
1: too. There so. is a time limit in the show as well.
2: Um, anyway, it's at this point, Artemis finds the Jade Key. And he's like, just like, oh my god, I can't believe this. She's actually been working. I've been stupid. And then IOI uses its artifact to find it. So he... Kind of figures it out really quick. She I, she sends him a message and basically gives him just enough of a hint as a way to pay him back for his original hint. Um, I think it's H. Is it is it H that
0: gives him the message the hint?
1: Yeah, uh, no, it's it's Artemis. No H. Was it H? Uh, H sends him an email and says, "Now I don't." He finds
0: it first, or before. That's right. Yeah, him.
1: Yeah, so H is like, "I don't owe you anymore. My debts are repaid. This is your clue." And
2: before that, though, um, he thinks he has it figured out, and he goes to the planet Arcade, which basically looks like an old Atari game. And he uh, he goes through and he plays a he has to end up playing a perfect game of Pac Man, which is yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and he gets another artifact, which is a quarter, which he has no idea what it does. It doesn't say anything. Oh, this is, is um, amazing. Yeah.
0: But he spends like a whole day of his life on that Disney.
2: (laughs) Which I mean, I mean, trying to be trying to do a perfect game of Pac-Man is like, there's like very few recorded instances of it happening. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but I do love the fact that he goes into detail about that. And like to get a perfect game of Pac-Man, like the kill screen and and everything else. So Um, if we haven't mentioned this by already, the the author, Ernest Cron- uh, Klein is a huge 80s nut. Like, he did a lot of research, but a lot of this is just from his personal memory. Like, I've seen interviews with the guy. The man knows the 80s back and forth. So, uh, you know, a lot of this is just, you know, his his personal memories of stuff. So, uh, But you're right. So H gets the key, um, and then he sends him a message and basically tells him uh, it's on the cover of Zork. So he heads to the planet Zork, he has to collect these treasures, and that's where he has to blow the famed Crunch Whistle. Um, reading this book, before I got to that part, as soon as they mentioned the whistle, something in my head just thought, what if this is the Captain Crunch Whistle that uh, that uh, that Captain Crunch, the famous hacker, actually used? And sure enough, that's what it is. uh. So if we had gotten to this, if we were doing one of those uh, escape room situations, I would have been able to help
1: with that part. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny, this book actually got me to do a lot more research because I found it interesting, and I I actually did a lot of research on that guy. And there's a documentary I actually watched on him too. It's it's pretty crazy what what uh, how he figured it all out. And,
2: Oh yes, it's insane. What's really is insane is uh, he met with Steve Wozniak and uh, uh, Steve Jobs, and they, using the stuff that he learned, they created their first invention they ever had together that they sold was called a blue box, and it was basically a little digital thing that would do exactly what the Captain Crunch whistle would. And they got caught, but the police didn't know what it was, so they let them go. yeah that's
1: yeah it's insane
2: yeah. that all these ingenious people were all right yeah so
1: but i like that they were like they're running the world now so it's
2: <laughs> yeah no joke yeah um so he gets the key it's in foil uh the sixers make this big attack or whatever he barely gets out and then they notice that shoto's score drop uh is gone and uh I'm sorry, uh, Shoto's score goes up, so he also got the key, and then the Dido's score disappears. Yeah. yeah. And they're all like, Oh my god, he must have died or whatever. So on so forth. Um, Sorrento clears the second gate, uh, and two days later gets the crystal key. And he's just like he's beside himself at this point. They're like, Well, the Sixers is gonna win. They've basically they've cleared they've got they've cleared the gate before I've even found the gate and they've got the next key before I've even found, you know, even... Yeah. I haven't even gotten
1: that point. They've got the last key, and they're sitting... Exactly. They're so far ahead, it's over, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, at this, it's at this point, Shoto contacts him and tells him that Dido's dead, like, not just in the game, like, in real life, he has passed away. Yeah, that was... And that, uh...
1: I remember the first time yeah. I read that. That was a pretty moving part in the book where it's like...
2: Wow, this is crazy. Brothers, they were both just kind of, they were both, you know, they, they had become so attuned to each other, they were basically like brothers. And they hadn't and, even
0: met in real life.
2: No. Exactly. Uh, and that, you know, he had been killed. It wasn't that uh, it, he didn't commit suicide like the news reported. He had been killed. Uh, IOI had taken him out. It describes this huge battle where... Um, Pardon me. They were in the process of getting the key turned into Ultraman, and was in the pro- was basically just wreaking havoc on the I.O.Y. Uh, soldiers and ships and stuff, and then his his chair and threw him off of his balcony. Um, expired and his character died and that's why he never regenerated and he managed to get a few things and he was going, he, uh, brought back the, uh, uh, the beta capsule and gave it to Parsival. Um,
1: so, one, he actually
0: two, died like protecting his friend though, which I thought was, I mean, you know, yeah. well, in, in real life, but also in the game, um, which I thought was pretty telling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One thing we also haven't really mentioned yet was that IOI is using cheat tactics in order to to win this thing, right? Like, they're true. The, so the the rules of the the Oasis are that you only have one avatar, and only one person can be using that avatar. And so the IOI has figured out how to rig it so that anybody can use any avatar in within their system, and then also. Um, they have live feeds to any books or videos or whatever, whatever they could think of uh, as well as scholars that are, you know, heavily uh, informed. Um, So totally cheating to get this. And that's why all these, these people are against them.
2: Yeah, we did. That is an important part is the fact that they, uh, they, Tip their hand when they initially gave me the offer, talking about that their their rigs are hacked, so that uh, like you said, you know, that it's not just a single person playing; it's a single person with like a team of experts helping them out the entire way. So,
1: yeah. And then if somebody's not good at joust, say then that, uh, somebody that is good at joust can take over that character, which defeats the purpose of what Holiday had actually set out to do in the first place. Yep.
0: Yeah, they're basically the worst. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. That's that's a good way to explain it. They're the worst. <laughs> the
1: worst. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there. So.
2: No, I'm glad you did because we did gloss over that. So, um, he says the word unicorn. Uh, the little foil wrapper he has turns into a unicorn, like in Blade Runner, and he figures out where he's going to go to the second gate. Uh, he fights through a building. Kind of uh, the way he explains it, it, to me, it seems like uh, it was a scene like from The Matrix. Um, yeah,
1: that's kind of what I picture too.
2: Uh, and then he uh, uh, takes the test basically to see if whether or not he's a, a replicant and uh, uses the key to go into the second gate. Um, once he's in there, he's in a bowling alley, and he gets sucked into the game Black Tiger, where he plays it first person instead of being a side-scroller, which, once again, awesome idea for a game.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, that part I was thinking about, wow, why are they like – Side-scrolling Nintendo games, what I like to, what I like to try to do, first person like that, and I'm like, man, Double Dragon would be awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, so he, he goes through, he plays Black Tiger, he ends up uh, beating it, and he ends up getting a, a giant robot toy, um, uh, uh, uh Spider Man, who is the basically the uh, Japana, Japanese, the Jap- Japanese version of Spider Man. Uh, was
1: it? Yeah.
2: So, which, like, I, I mean, like I said, this is this is so heavily the '80s. Like the fact that they referenced that is insane. So, well,
1: and the, uh, the, other, the other thing to mention there too is that he noticed that there are other robots that are no longer selectable. So right. previous people have selected different ones, and as soon, as so as soon as one is selected, you don't get that one anymore
2: what they are you just know that they're gone that's right Um, and then he sees a red star and he knows it's from Rush's uh, 2112 album so he goes to the planet of Cyrix he gets the guitar from the cave behind the waterfall like it says in music Um, he plays the music and sees a message about needing others to open the gate I don't know if anyone else has figured that part out So, because he, he's like, surely they just got the, the guitar and went on. They didn't actually play the music, which he did and, and saw the special message. Um, and then he gets the next key. And it's at that point that he realizes that uh, uh, they figure uh, um, you know, that uh, IOI has, has figured out where the final gate is, and it's at Anorak's castle which no one has ever stepped foot in. Um, and so they're there at interacts castle, and they basically, they, the entire army is there. They have this huge, uh, uh, impenetrable force field around it that no one can get through. And they're basically just waiting for the game to be over. And nothing happens for, like, days. And then, like, weeks go by. And they're like, well, why haven't they ended this game yet? And it's obvious they don't know how to open the third gate, or at least they don't know how to pass it. Yeah. Um, so um, Artemis and Shoto, and tells them how to get the third key so that they can get set up as well. And it's at this point he basically, the I guess you'd say the third act kind of starts, uh, where he enacts his, uh, his ludicrous... Uh, uh, suicide plan, as it were. Yeah,
1: what are you doing? Um, at
2: this point, it's like, okay, this is really, wow, you're really taking it out there. But I guess, I mean, I guess if you live in this world, and this is all you know and all you love to save it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and, so, and that's, that is the biggest evil in the uh, in the whole thing. So you got to do what you got to do.
2: So his plan is he, uh, he uh, hacks his, his his identity and calls himself a different name and gets himself put on the indentured servitude list for I O I, which is an interesting concept that that, that might actually ever come back.
0: Yeah, that it's actually a thing in this book.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. So basically, he gets uh, he gets pulled out of his apartment and he's now a as it were, for IOI. Um, information that he's he's got, you know, in, in his back pocket or whatever, and he manages to hack their service from within. And there he gets a bunch of data that includes, like, all the information they have on him, all the information they have on the other members of the High Five, to including video of their death threat against him, the actual uh, murder of uh, uh, Daito, um, he ends up collecting that data and formulates a plan as to how he's going to try to get out. Um, he sees that they're uh, they're really closing in on H and uh, Artemis, uh, more, more so Artemis and, and Chodo. So he kind of has to accelerate his plan, and he does this daring escape to get out. Uh, I say daring in that it's mostly hacking and. You know, a little social engineering, but uh, would be scary as hell trying to commit.
0: How, like, it was ridiculous to me that he was able to get all that information through his screen in his little cubicle. You know, I mean, impressively ridiculous, but but (laughs) it
1: would be it was it was a very very quick thing that uh, all of a sudden they kind of glossed over a little bit where he previously had bought information from a. From a guy that made the program for IOI, and so it was a backdoor. Uh, yeah. So it kind of glassed over that really quickly. Um, but it, so he he memorized the password and login and positioned himself just right so that nobody could see what he was doing on his screen. So it's it is extremely impressive that that was capable. But
0: yeah, that was. That
2: was just crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not insane that something like that would happen. Like, you know, yeah. that people would encode, you know, back doors and stuff like that. Cause I'm, that, I know that shit happens, but, oh, but, uh, yeah, just the level of bill of ability he kind of seemed to, uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: but, but again, he's grown up in the Oasis, right? So he, True. he's had to figure all this stuff out. So.
2: Um. He contacts the group. He's like basically. Uh, they meet up in H's uh, 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 little bunker, and uh, of course it's online. And he, you know, he basically tells everyone, "Look, you need to get out. You know where you are." So most of them are like, "You know, look, I'm in this. You know, I'm in a, like a, a rental internet place. You know, I'm not really that safe or whatever." Because he I'm comes, he's like basically,
1: "I'm in Vancouver." I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> um, they're basically like, you know, uh, he, he wants to do this major attack and and bring down the wall. They're like, well, how are you going to bring down the shield? He's like, don't worry about it. It will happen. And uh, they're like, well, I'm not in a position to be able to do that. And it's at this point that Og shows up and is basically, you know, once again revealing his, his godlike powers and tells them, you know, look, I've got a ton of money. I was, uh, you know, I, I basically, you know, told I basically told my friend that I would not intervene, but I would protect the the honor of of you know what it is you built. So he's like, I need, I feel like I need to intervene because all the all the chips are stacked against you. I need to do something. So he basically flies everyone to his place, uh, but asks that uh, that H be able to pick up, uh, uh and then meet him at the airport. And It's at this point, uh, Parsifal and H finally meet for the first time. Was anyone slightly shocked?
1: <laughs> yeah, I bit. was a
0: little. Yeah, I didn't expect her to be, or him to be a her.
2: <laughs> well, not just a, I mean, because his character, H's character is uh, pretty good looking, white, you know, Tall, athletic, you know, male. In real yeah. life, uh slightly heavy set female. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Um, and you know, at first he's like it's a little weird. As they started talking, it's like
1: it's
2: Yeah, as they start talking, it's like you've always been you've always been my friend. You, you yeah. know, you're it's no different now. So which was nice.
1: Yeah, he got over it really quickly, which is good, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, the fact that the reason she gave for, you know, choosing the avatar she did, um, kind of says a lot that in that, you know, in the future, that's still an issue, that race is still such a prevalent thing, and at least according to the author.
1: Yeah.
2: It's yeah, scary. and unfortunately, I mean, it's not like our society right now is showing that to be any different, so.
1: Yeah. Right. That's you would a- hope that it, it
2: would yeah, we'll, we'll stick to the joke. Yeah. Um, so at this point, they get on this snow flying plane, which love the idea of that, and they go to meet Og. Og basically lives in a recre. The man is so insanely lives in a recreation of. Uh, oh, uh, Isengard. Which one is it? It's uh, what are the elf cities from the Lord of the Rings?
1: Yeah, Eldron. Is it? Isengard? Yeah. Oh, I can't. Rivendell. It's Rivendell. That's Rivendell. right. Thank you, Chris. Just, yeah. He you. lives, she, he thank basically
2: you. lives in a recreation, recreation of Rivendell. Uh, to the point that he's like, he literally pulls a torch, a got ga- a torch off the wall to light them as they go through. Um, <laughs> but th- and, and then he starts talking about, and we started getting some of the backstory. Uh, they've kind of hinted about it as they went through. Um uh, and uh uh Ogden Morrow is, is his actual name. Og and uh and Halliday were, were best friends. Og was kind of like the salesman. Uh Halliday was the the programmer, very much a uh Steve Jobs, uh Steve Wozniak kind of situation. Yeah. Um uh, but and uh, uh but uh Og was or I'm sorry, uh Halliday was uh, very shy around women, and the only one he ever really felt comfortable with was uh the woman who ended up becoming Og's wife um, which apparently was part of was the reason why they split um, He just never could come out and tell her how he felt, so of course neither one of them knew and uh it it just built up and he's just like i can't i can't be around you i i you know I love her so much I can't see you two together it's just so they split. Um, and he finally tells, uh, he he finally opens up and tells that when he asks, and he's like, you know, thank you for telling me that because I know you've never told that to anyone else.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. So then we get to the big battle, the 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 epic battle, which I just absolutely love. Um
1: wait, <laughs> can't wait. Yes. <laughs>
2: So, basically, they send a message to every single player in the Oasis, tell them to show up at noon, the shield's going to go down, and we're basically going to wipe out the Sixer army, and we're going to take the castle. Um, they're like, well, who knows if anyone's going to show up or whatever. And uh, as they're gearing up for this, instead of taking his X-Wing fighter or his DeLorean or his ship, I don't remember what he renamed it, but it's the ship from Firefly. Um okay. He puts down his, his toy robot and uses the call and it turns into a giant robot. And he gets at the giant robot and it transforms and it flies to the castle. And he shows up and he's there with the other members of the, well, the, the now high four, uh, all of their giant robots. And like there's just thousands of, of other players there. There are, you know, all of these other, uh, groups that are, are, uh, are, They're all armed to the teeth, and the army's on the other side of the shield, and then Sorrento walks out, and he's basically like, you know, know, you're more than welcome to try to come in, but, you know, it's not going to happen, and it's at that point, he explains what his little plan was, and this is just awesome. He programs, while he was inside their base still, inside their company, he programmed a robot that looks like Johnny Five. Once again, love the 80s references. (laughs) Yep. 25 to basically detonate a grenade next to the guy that's holding the shield generator, and that's what causes the shield to go down. Shield goes
1: down. Yeah,
2: shield goes down. No one moves for like, and then just all hell breaks loose. Uh, I'm sorry. Before that happens, uh, Sorrento and the other members of his uh, of uh, the Sixers put down their giant robots, and. Included the five lions that turned into Voltron. I think it yes. was another one, and then his was actually the the biggest and most powerful robot of all, uh, Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. So um, <coughs> it's almost as big as the castle. So the shield goes down, and just all hell breaks loose. Like they, the the sixer army is getting wiped out left and right. But you know, no one can defeat. So they're like, all right, well. Uh, the Voltron lines didn't even get to four Voltron. They basically got, you know, torn apart before that ever happened. Uh, but no one can get into the castle unless you have a key. So they're like, all right, just make a break. Um, it's at that point that, uh, Daito attacks. He takes out one of his <laughs> arms, but Mecha's Godzilla ends up like blasting him and kills him. He has a key. So it's just the three now. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, Artemis make their way in and uh, uh, Parsifal decides he's going to make one final stand. He's like, you know, this asshole deserves to be uh, humiliated in front of everybody. Yeah. So he jumps out of his giant robot, or actually I think his giant robot almost explodes. Uh, he gets out of it and he activates the beta capsule and turns into Ultraman who is with Mechagodzilla and proceeds to whip his ass.
1: Yeah, what a scene. Oh,
2: <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, okay. So we're gonna have to finish get through the rest of this because that that's gonna bring up a major topic. Anyway, I know. <laughs> Ends up meeting Sorrento, goes inside, gets with the other three. They figure out that the only way to open up the gate is by using uh, a song from the school from Schoolhouse Rock. I you, I, I love these references. The whole way just makes me feel so warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. Um this other uh, 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 artifact, this super weapon goes off and literally kills everyone within that part of the galaxy. Is the magic quarter that he has that no one knew what he did. And of course, at this point uh, Auk has patched the rest of his group in with him, and they're like well, why are you still alive? How are you still doing this? He's like, I don't know. So he has to scramble to figure out how to get into the gate. Last part of the sixer army gets there to out. he manages to do that and he has to play tempest and uh artemis uh remembers a special trick on how to get a multiple bid once again i would have never passed this i suck at tempest
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think most people do
2: <laughs> yeah so uh because he He did not even have to get a high score. He just has to beat Halliday's score, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm sorry.
1: Still impressive.
2: Yes. Uh, Then once he does that, he goes into another one of these things called a flick sync where he plays through a movie. And this time it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
1: What a great movie.
2: Yes. You can't get more epitome geek really than that. So he goes through, plays Holy Grail. Um, then he's in, he enters the room. It's just completely full of games and computers or whatever. He starts trying to boot them up or whatever. He finds one old computer, the oldest computer. I don't remember what it was. Um, and he types in, he, he cannot figure what the word is to type in. It's a special password. And he tries all these different words and he remembers that the, that, uh, uh, Halliday really loved was Og's wife, but he only referred to her as her name in, when they played Dungeons and Dragons, which is, I think, Lucosia. Yeah. Computers start up, he immediately fires up an Atari 2600. Oh, we lost you
1: there, bud. Eugene? Hello? Hello? Sorry, Eugene, we, we just lost you there, bud. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what was I talking about? So, uh, all the computers booted up, and he found the Atari, uh, the Atari. And then okay, yeah.
2: So, uh, all the computers uh, boot up. He finds the Atari 2600. Fires up Atari, a a copy of uh, Adventure. finds the Easter egg, which is the first Easter egg in any video ever. game ever, which yeah. created the idea of an Easter egg. I love how um,
1: they that back to the beginning of the book.
2: Um exits the gate, places the egg on a pedestal, and then Anorak shows up. And I mean, granted, it's a digital version of him because he's passed away, but he basically shows up, and he's like, you win. Good job. Giving you all of my power. I'm giving you everything I own. Um, Try to use it for... You can. And then shows him the super secret... Red button that will basically turn off the oasis and wipe everything clean. He's like, you know, if you need to use it, um, then he fades away. Uh, uh he's able to hear everyone again. He goes outside, defeats the Sixers using his new special powers. He brings everyone back to life. They see that the government has stepped in, uh, because they sent out all the information that he had stolen from IOI showing the death threats and everything. The government's intervened. They've like pulled Sorrento out of his chair and like, they're trying to prosecute him and everything. Um, look, there's a bunch of lawyers here waiting to meet you. Uh, you know, to basically sign everything over, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's like, well, can I, can I meet, can I, can I make him wait? He's like, they work for you. You can make away as long as you want. Um, and he goes outside to meet Artemis in real life. And, uh, has his first kiss, and it's very sweet. The book. Yeah. I loved this book. I loved this book. Um, Just, it, it, it feels very, I mean, it's, granted, it's got a lot of 80s reference, but it feels very much of, a, of an 80s type flick. I mean, boy gets the girl. The girl is not a damsel distressed by any means. No. It's the girl. Um but the references just by themselves were just phenomenal. So
1: Yeah.
2: Um did you know that Ernest Klein, when he initially wrote this book and published it, did he actually put a game inside the printed copy?
1: Yes, he did. And I uh I love that he did that. And that there were people that actually figured it out and the first person got a DeLorean.
2: Yes, that is insane. Uh, if you ever want to see a quick interview of him, uh, with him, um, on Netflix, I cannot remember what it's called. It's about about Atari bur- burying all the um, ET cartridges in. Uh, oh, right. It was up in that documentary. He drove from Austin. He lives in Austin, Texas, just you know, an hour south of where I'm at. Uh, he drove from Austin uh, to there to be at this event in his DeLorean. Uh, Oh, so some So, the questions I was going to ask. So, puzzle um, solving stuff. Like,
1: like, have you any? Have either
2: of y'all done any of those escape room things?
1: I, I haven't done any of those, but uh, Chris gets mad at me because whenever we're watching a movie, or if uh, typically in a book, or Life. (laughs) (laughs) he gets upset because I get, I I try and figure stuff out Uh and I usually have it figured out well before somebody else does. (laughs) And I love puzzles. I love, um, one of my favorite gifts I've ever gotten was, uh, you know, the cubes that you can get or the metal, uh, mystery things that you got to figure out, how like get the key off or whatever. I love Oh yeah. Yeah. So those are up my alley for sure.
2: What about you, Jennifer?
0: I am um, miss, you know, sometimes I'm good at out the twist, noticing the little things. And sometimes I'm just oblivious. And that's kind of how I was in this book, you know, off and on, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love trying to figure things like that out and a good, like, you know, brain teaser. Um, I've never done an escape room, but we just had one, uh open me here, where we live. um it looks really neat. We went in and I explored it, and I want to try it sometime' cause, you know, see yeah how same here How terrible I am like. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we had we had a we had uh, at my last tech meeting, they kind of came up with a, a, a simplified version of one for us, and I'll be honest, I didn't do so well, and I think part of the problem was I was way overthinking it, like the clues were. Much once I found out what the clues were, I was like, <laughs> "Well, like why didn 't I think of that? Like I was trying to put way too much meaning behind stuff, so I, part of me I, I still want to try one. My wife has tried one, I think they succeeded her team succeeded um, she said she wasn 't much help she was just she but she still she had a good time i 'd like to do it sometime, number one, just to see if you know if, if we could do it i 've just got to find a, t- a group of people that would, would like to do it. they me, listed
0: so. the success rates um. Mm-hmm. Under the the different rooms on the wall or something, and and it, they're pretty low, you know. It's like under twenty percent, under ten percent for some of them. Wow! If you've got it, see that's that see sounds people, interesting. Yeah, but so
2: um, another question I had uh, while reading the book: What movies would you love to do a flick sync
1: to? Ooh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what would be fun: The Crow. Just because it would be it'd be a fun one to go through. Uh, there's certain there's a certain draw for me for for that character that I've always loved one. Like I, when I was a teenager, I watched that movie and I'm like, that's that's awesome. I love that character. So uh, I think that'd be a, a kind of an interesting one to play through. But other than that, I mean, Wayne's World. Oh my God, that
2: would be hilarious. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think The Princess Bride would be fun.
2: Oh, that's a good That was one of the ones I thought of too.
0: <laughs> I'd want to be Wesley because, you know, he's every good at everything. But
1: I will, Yeah, I'd want to be Andre the Giant.
0: <laughs> or, yeah, Andre.
1: Anyone hey, want a peanut? Um...
0: <laughs> I think I'd laugh through the whole movie, though.
2: That, yeah. yeah, that would be the problem. Um... Ghostbusters. Oh, <laughs> well, we know. Oh, uh, the- what? <laughs> I think, but princess. I thought about princess. For, but here's the thing: there's so many movies. Like there's certain standouts. Of course, um, I don't good. know if I'd no. want to do Star Wars. I don't know if I'd want to do Star Wars. No. That would be the thing. Like
1: spaceballs.
2: Uh, spaceballs would be epic. Yeah.
1: Spaceballs would definitely be worth it. <laughs> yeah, for hell sure. yeah! Especially with all the rumors of them maybe eventually <laughs> doing a second one. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm like you, I kind of like
2: the idea of doing part three, the search for part two. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: Spaceballs three, the search for two.
2: But I mean, seriously, especially like now that, uh, now that we are getting uh, virtual reality stuff, that's pretty decent. I mean, you know, they're, they're getting the consoles that are, I mean, they're still pretty hefty in price, five, $600, uh, four or dollars Um, Love to go through a movie like that
1: like but they but they've gone even further and they've actually got the rig that you can stand in now and as you walk around in this little circle it, you it, you will move within the game so yep. there's little circles on your feet and as you're walking around it moves you around which I thought I was pretty cool sure too
0: so all I could think the whole time during this book was you know he's talking about their haptic gloves and, and uh, glasses and I just thought, man, like, eventually we're going to get to the point where all this cool new stuff we have is is old and outdated. Like, we look at Ataris and cassette tapes and everything, and it's it's a little depressing. It's a little exciting at the same time. (laughs) Because right now it's all new and, you know, state of the art, and someday it's going to be junk.
1: It's funny. uh, We were talking about that at work the other day, and... uh, and one of the guys is like bored with his iPhone. He's like, "Yeah, I don't like iPhone anymore. I'm gonna go with something <laughs> else." And they're like, "No, you're just bored with your iPhone."
0: <laughs> yeah, our attention spans.
1: Oh, we are terrible.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, so this leads to the the next thing, which we kept hinting at the entire time. So this movie has been optioned. Uh, uh, this movie, this book has been mov- uh, optioned for a movie. Ernest um, Klein, I think, wrote the first, which gives me high hopes. Um, yep. It's being produced by Steven Spielberg, uh, which also yep. gives me high hopes. Yeah. Question on whether or not they're going to be able to pull it off. Uh, which you know we we started talking about actually before the show was rights. Um, this literally pulls in stuff. I mean, every single uh, th- uh, copyright holder basically would have to be.
1: Yeah, I I seriously hope that they all agree. And like the good thing is, is that Disney owns most of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> if, if you can get them on board, then you've got the majority of it. Um, but it's and and then they've also shown that. Sony and Marvel can bridge the gap. So I'm hoping yeah. that all of them see what they could get out of this and be like, you know what, let's be a part of this and let's actually allow this.
2: Yeah. Well, they need to, oh, I was just thinking they need to point back to something like, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit? Cause I mean, that was like an impossible feat to get Disney and Warner brothers to, to, you know, have their characters appear on the screen oh, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. But even, even sooner, even more modern, they need to really point to the Lego movie.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. Lego did a stroke of genius by getting the rights to all of these different companies and basically saying, uh, you know, they didn't really have to ask to use the characters because they already had the digital rights version yep. or, you know, the, the rights to use the Lego version of that character. They just were like, okay, well, we're not going to make a movie out of it. Um, they need to point that out that, look, Everyone loved the fact of seeing these different characters mingling together. In how great would it be to see Ultraman and Mecha Godzilla and and X Wings and Tie Fighters and DeLoreans and you know Echo Ones and every you know everything from everything Star
1: Trek. just like there's that Star be, Trek references and yeah,
0: it's overwhelming just, how many talks about. And how many things the characters had to learn about and just know at any given time and I mean yep. I, I would have yeah not been any help in most of those situations.
2: <laughs> well he did he did reference his Grail diary quite a bit though. So yeah, which yeah. I, I definitely would have to do because I have a horrible memory. So yeah, trying to remember half of the stuff. You're absolutely right. Trying to remember half the stuff and then the skill sets to have. Like he's like, Oh yeah, I was really good at playing video games. Like that was his, his thing. And I'm like I used to be pretty good at playing video games, but like I said, like some of the games he listed, I sucked at.
1: <laughs> yeah. But then
0: he like programs all these things and he hacks his identity and does you know things that he makes it sound like it's so easy. And I'm like, if it's if you're hacking it though, obviously not everybody can do it. But it, yeah, you have to be pretty smart <laughs> to be able to change your identity and
1: yeah. <clears throat>
2: Well, alrighty then. I think that pretty much wraps up our um, our discussion of on by uh, by Ernest Klein. So, our next book, uh, which we had a very short list this time, but uh, very heavily influenced, is going to be uh, the new Star Wars book that just recently came out, Star Wars Catalyst. Um, this is a precursor to Rogue One. So, if you have not already read it. Movie, it's fine. This is basically just going to fill in a lot of backstory for you. Um, I'm hoping maybe that uh, I can get through the book pretty quickly, and then maybe go watch the movie again, so that I'll get you know the backstory again to you know uh, uh, that maybe the the movie was missing. Um, yeah. Which is funny because now that you watch the movie, you really need to go back and watch A New Hope because it fills in a lot of stuff on it. But
0: uh, it's a vicious cycle.
2: Yeah, it's exactly, you know, just too much Star Wars, not really, never too much Star Wars. <laughs> um, next book that we're reading, Star Wars Catalyst, uh, hopefully we'll have it done by the end of the month, and we'll have our next episode out, maybe a little bit late, just kind of depends on how the month goes for everyone, so. um, um Have you been reading anything else, uh, Jennifer?
0: Um, the only book I've really been li- reading or listening to, actually, is, uh, I just finished Bobby Bones is, uh, you're not, if you're reading this, I'm not lonely, um, uh, which is kind of a biography slash entertainment, you know, comedy book, um, about his life. And he's a, he's a big cool. DJ in a lot of, you know, markets. But that's it from,
1: yeah.
2: Ray, you've been reading anything else?
1: Uh, no. A lot of my time's been spent on, uh, trying to get get through this one real quick and then that didn't work out and then uh <laughs> and then the other one was uh just playing a lot of Xbox with Quinn cuz he's so excited to play or and and Logan as well uh cuz they're all excited for the new games that they got at Christmas so awesome yeah
2: yeah i didn't get anything else read uh the only other thing i got was a free book that came from audible called the dispatcher by john Scalzi. uh um, it was read by Zachary Quinto. Uh, by the way, he's a really Ooh. good reader. Um, yeah. It's a, it's basically it's a very short book. It's almost more just a short story uh, because of its length. Uh, the idea is that for some reason, no one understands, but in the near future, can't really die, and um, or if you die a certain way, like accidental or. Maybe it's the murder. I I don't remember the exact specifics, but um, he's basically the main character is is what's referred to as a dispatcher, and so he's hired by insurance companies and stuff. That um, so, like, if someone's in surgery and the surgery is going bad, um, kills the person, and they wake up like they disappear and they wake up completely nude, but for whatever reason, back in their home, like. And so he's hired by insurance companies to basically keep people alive uh, by kind of resending them. Like, you're not cured of whatever, you know, or something like that. Um, I think maybe that's what would kill you. If you die to the cancer, you'd be dead. But if you're killed, open hour later, basically at that point. Um, And it goes through some interesting ideas how you could kind of bid the rules a little bit as it were. So I don't want to give away too much about it, but, uh, it's called I mean, the dispatchers. My called it.
1: <laughs> Sorry. I
2: think it kind of touched on was the population control situation. Yeah. So
1: interesting. It, interesting.
2: Yeah. Like I said, it's very short. Uh, I got through it really quickly. Uh, it's not very long. So if you, if you run across it, you could probably finish it, you know, within a couple of days or maybe even one sitting, who knows? Uh, so- um,
1: Oh, uh, I was just going to add one thing that uh, I have not read yet, but I'm interested in reading now because we got through it. Westworld, uh, HBO has done Westworld, which is based on novel uh, of the same name. And oh yeah. There's a whole series. There's a whole series, but anyway, if you get a chance. Oh, really? It
2: was a series. I didn't realize that.
1: It's a series. Yeah. So oh. you got to check it out if if you get a chance because the the HBO version is got me very interested in reading the book
2: yeah i'm halfway through the series uh i never read the original book I, re- I watched the original movie but i never read the original book
1: yeah
2: very interesting i'll have to check that out i'll have to put that on my, my reading list now
1: yeah
2: in fact let I me mean, go ahead and do that right this second um <laughs> Uh, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, wherever it is you uh, you catch the show. We're also on YouTube. Uh, you can find us at epicallygeeky.com as well, and then you can find the site on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at epicallygeeky Geeky as well. Um, next book is Star Wars Catalyst. We'll be back uh, next month. Uh, but between now and then, uh, you can also follow our individual adventures online. Uh, Ray, where can we find you online?
1: Uh, just search for Lake Life Artist on Instagram.
2: Jennifer, where can we find you online?
0: Um, Instagram at Het's Gonna Be Me.
2: And you can follow my wacky adventures online at Optimus on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, oh, one one last thing: if you would like to, uh, you can do it through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Uh, send us book recommendations. If there's a book you think we would uh, enjoy reading and would like to hear us. Uh, talk about on the show. Definitely send us your recommendations for everyone to sight. Have a good night.